0: Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 7th of June 2020. And here we go into the next stalling technique, I suppose you call it, which falls right on in with the the COVID idea, the lockdown, the the stopping of all commerce, the stopping of normal life, basically, uh, mandated by our governments. On behalf of the World Health Organization in this wonderful undemocratic system in which we live, because we don't vote for WHO. They're so corrupt and so literally compromised, everybody with it, with shares in big pharma companies, some of them even you know, owners of some of them, really, when you look at it, and they get awfully handsomely rewarded for giving contracts out to them. Taxpayer contracts, naturally. We fund everything for the for the Global league. and And what's amazing too, and you know, I'll make touch on this tonight, is uh, so everything just fits together rather neatly, really, in, in amongst the chaos, the appearance of chaos. Because don't forget that the World Economic Forum has said last year that we weren't listening to them. We, the peasantry, you know, the, the world's peasantry, the peasantry that can't go to the WEF and uh, were not invited basically and you couldn't afford it anyway because the WEF is just part of the superstructure that rules us. You don't see any anti-fighting protesting them. There's there's a clue in all this, you see. There's lots of clues in everything. Long time ago, I noticed that the Canadian government, the Canadian government was funding far-left communist groups in Canada for their clubs where they could sing their protest songs and, and scheme their little anti-war rallies, which were all fine at the time. It was pretty well passive compared to today. But we funded them across the country. Most folk don't even know it. But I thought at the time... You know, when it was the anti-war idea in Britain and, and, and Canada and everywhere else across the planet, you had these mass rallies, the anti-war rallies, because we were sick of being told we're all going to get nuked, you see. And the war turned all wars and all civilization in the, in the process. And uh, because of it, that was, that was the heyday, mind you, of the military-industrial complex for, for quick money, big money. From the taxpayer to save us all, they kept making new kinds of bombs, and missiles, and aircraft to carry them as well, uh, as well as individual missiles. But it was a heyday because no one complained at the time. But we all said, "Oh my God, they have to protect us against other guys across there." And uh, a long, long time ago, when you, kind of growing up, I watched these kind of things too. Well-organized protest rallies. But they used to have families there, you know, when they had men, women, and children, you know. And you'd see the families, hundreds and thousands of families at times, with their banners up, very quiet and peaceful, just protesting against us and, and the whole thing. Because no one wanted to get blown up, you see. But when you think of the money, too, that could be used, help people, <laughs> they never really think about it. The money that could be used on... on programs and uh, and business to get more business more more jobs and all the rest of it uh, went to the military industrial complex uh, year after year after year to keep us safe but what I noticed was that it suddenly stopped you see it was a very quick turn like a turn of a switch and I knew from because I guess I'd met some of them in Canada. Uh, some of the left wings asked me to sing it some a few things. I'd, I hadn't really a clue that it was that, that radical at the time until I met a communist who was from England uh, and who was from this, he'd just been over to the Soviet Union. And he came over after a concert, a general concert, and um, started talking to this little group there. As the, and I guess he thought I was one of them. Uh, but he's talking about the, the, the next move to, to network amongst all radical groups. And at the time, too, he said he came back from Moscow, and he says, that we must now, he says, get um, all the other fringe groups in with us. That meant uh, the gay groups and all the rest of it, too. And and there were some eyebrows raised at that. But he says, well, we've got to do it, he says. We've well, we got to get everybody looking on board for protesting and for future. But I thought, that this guy was from London, huh? England. He... Someone could come in and out of Canada and every other country with impunity. And don't tell me the authorities didn't know who he was, that he was there organizing the overthrow of governments and things like that. And I, and I thought, oh, it's obvious, this is run by a, your governments were part of it, and this guy was part of it. He had no fear. I asked him, said, aren't you worried about getting caught coming into a country? He said, no, no, no. He said, I do it all the time. So you start to see that there's no there's big players here and there's little players and there's followers. The whole thing of any big uprising depends on followers. followers never get what they want and and and, and I won't even go into the states at the moment, but um, followers never get what they want It's always for a, a better tomorrow it's always young people too where everything's black and white, that's how you see things. There's no gray areas of life, is everything's just right or wrong. And it's easy, it's always easy with youngsters to point out that the nasty things in life is, is, is very comprehensible to Oh, that's terrible, that's terrible. And the cutting down the trees, etc. And uh, they keep, as I say before, they've always shown the same clear-cut stuff from the late 40s, which doesn't happen today. But that doesn't matter. See, fa- once, once you radicalise, facts don't matter. They're t- t- opposing facts, and they're fed a steady diet in this at school from the from the age of five or, or even you know even younger if you go to kindergarten, <laughs> of how bad people are because that's the gender. Don't forget the World Economic Forum, comprised the, the top business people of the planet, the, the multi-billionaire trillionaire. and who, CEOs who are in charge of a lot of these big corporations on behalf of, the, the really, the owners. Above everything, there's always another group and another group above everything. That's how you find things really work. Now, we're owned. I always say we're owned. I have no problem saying that we're owned. Your very thoughts are owned. They're given to you by somebody else, generally. Brzezinski said that, you know, a man who should certainly have known, because that was his job, was to give you your thoughts to whole nations, in fact. Uh, the Brzezinski, who also went over to Afghanistan, remember years ago, and I put up the video where he's given a talk uh, to the to the <clears throat> tradesmen there in Taliban, and he's because uh, when want, the what the U.S. wanted them to fight against the Russia, which uh, ruled over it then, occupied it, and uh, there's Brzezinski, you know. Uh, with his fist up in the air, using the, the revolutionary move, the, there's the clenched fist. You see, wherever you see that, you should really be very careful Was behind it all. So, here's a guy who represents uh, the Trilateral Commission and the Council on Foreign Relations, you see, a technocrat p- placed there. And he said to the Taliban, he says, your, your cause is a holy war, a just war, a jihad. And uh, that's what he told them. And that's, you know, he's back there deciding in America once that they get the war going against Russia, uh, telling that that they're the, the, giving the strategy to the CFR and other groups too, as to how we should shape the minds of the next generation that's going to come up with not just in the US but across the world. Don't forget the CFR is an international organization. It's only part of the same organization that runs the world, the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And they've got a branch called the European Institute for International Affairs. They, they dropped it the royal part because it's the, every politician in the EU parliament is a member of it. You see, from all countries. They've got one group for the Far Eastern Pacific Rim group. And uh, these are the same groups, Remember. Who manipulate behind the scenes all the wars that come and go, right? the skirmishes, the real wars, and so they, man- they proudly boast about it in their own archives that Carl Quigley was the historian for for a while. He's a prof- He was a professor, and and he believed in it all. He, he was completely on board with. it. He said he disagreed with some of his methods, and he also thought that that, that it's, it's importance in shaping history for about. A hundred years <laughs> pretty well from the late 18, 1880s anyway, onwards that he was taken from. He said that uh, he said it was so important if the public only knew that, that the whole history had been shaped and fomented all the different things that had happened, the big wars and that, to bring a global society in you see a proper a proper managed society. It wasn't supposed to be democratic. That's where people have. Democracy is a con game to get everybody on board for particular periods of the big agenda. You see? It's not meant to be real. And um, it's used for revolution. And revolution is what, when you speed up the process of what the elite want. That, that's the beauty of this con game. But anyway, Brzezinski said that. He, he said that. Um, the, the movers and shakers themselves you see the ones behind the scenes that, that say okay we need a, a, a little war over here and, and it's the Hegelian dialectic M- most folk don't want to change anything in their lives they really don't even at the teenagers you'll see rioting right now and looting the stores uh, They they think they, they might think they know what they want at the time they might think that but once in their mid-twenties and towards 30, they start to just wean off and so they get a bit fed up with it. They they like, they, they, it doesn't matter where they've settled themselves in their mind or, or even their financial strata or whatever. They start to get kind of comfortable. and so this were routines. And they, they also became, become a bit jaded from the, 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 you start to learn there's gray areas in between the black and white reasons for everything, you see. Things that they used to criticize their dad or their mum doing, like getting divorced, they might do it themselves. And they can rationalize it, so they can start rationalizing it for their parents as well. Whereas before, when they're younger, they may be furious at both of them, or one or the other, because the parents would split up. But then they go and do the same themselves. In other words, experience of life, especially in this chaos of this modern life, manufactured chaos, doesn't give them much of a chance to be different, you see. And they settle into little little areas, I say. And then they're they do not want to really change too much. So they, they've got they've, by that time the elite have always radicalized the upcoming generation, you take over. And then the ones who used to the previous radicalized ones who are now becoming sedentary and happy or is content and is or accepting of the lot or whatever get annoyed by the hour group coming up. That's how the technique is, is done, you see. So because you get settled, you get settled in your ways, you can't get the big changes made from the on behalf of the rulers, you see. So they, 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 they create, what they call, they call it the, the, the thesis, the thesis, here's what we are, here's what we do. So you gotta, and, and as long as that goes on, nothing's gonna change. You might have quite a happy society if you left it that way, you see. So you create a, a, something that's going to go against it, what it stands for. So that's your antithesis. So, now you've got a, com- a competing argument. Or an argument started, and then they go at it. And out of it, you guide what you really were after in the first place, if you're the, the lead managers. And that's, that's the synthesis, what comes out of the argument, the agreement. Okay, we'll agree with this, and we'll do this. and we'll ch- So you've got your initial change. That communism is based on this, the dialectic And out of that that, that synthesis You say, oh, so you're happy for a little while But immediately they're, they're starting again Now I've got a new, the synthesis now becomes the new thesis right? And then then you come out with the, with the antithesis You see uh, and you keep going with, with this constant, that's pure Marxism basically and Trotskyism, the way it's designed for, for constant, constant change, you see, planned change. And you always decide what the change is going to be. And so you start the argument yourself and and uh, you take it from there. That's just that's basic, basic stuff. So you always have to train a new group of radicalized youngsters, idealistic, and, and make sure you, you own all the school systems and so on, so that they're brought up watching the, the furry little animals, you see, that are hunting for a place to live, you see. And there's man, terrible man, destroying it according to every documentary you'll see, that's what it's supposed to be, you see. It's supposed to, It's supposed to radicalize the youngsters, and, and they use the same footage, as I say, and techniques across the whole planet, because the whole planet is under UNICEF and so on, and under basically a global curriculum. For, for, Bill Gates is involved. He's calling it vir, the new virtual um, education, basically. That he, wants, he, he hopes he can lock us down for longer. By any technique, it doesn't matter if it's rights or whatever. As long as, he, and then they can start learning at home, basically on the computer. And he, of course, he'll be in charge of the curriculum because he, he had big input on on the present curriculum, the Common Core thing. So make sure you standardize everyone's education or indoctrination. It depends how you you what we are giving them. You see, education should really always have have arguments. But pretty well, and everything, and you don't get that really, do you? You should be able to look at everything from all kinds of points of view, but you're not really given that. You're given a, a, a really, um, you're given the Marxist technique of critical theory, that's what they use in the schools. Where, but let's not look at that when William the Conqueror came in, well, think about the people who were not fitting into society, how would it affect them? And that kind of thing, you see. Social engineering, to me, to me, it a youngster. It's quite. You can create. Why do you think cartoons work with youngsters? The Soviets used cartoons to, to a great extent, not just for children but right into adulthood. And people could even cry with with the poor the poor character in a cartoon, uh, losing their home because of the bad capitalist and stuff like that. They could be uh, so uh, so perfect the techniques that were used. Hmm? It's a lot cheaper than using Hollywood like we did in the West. But children don't have much of a chance, and they're the greatest targets for propaganda. They don't know it. The parents don't know it. But that's the best, because why do you think it's always different? The parents say, I can't relate to my children. We are not meant to relate to them. The the, the, the the rulers of the planet have already changed even the techniques of basic mathematics so you can't help the children. It's been like that for the last 60, 70 years at least. Maybe further back eh? from the days of John Dewey. Because that was the techniques that don't let the parents... Have any influence over the child? You want the child to say, "Oh, that's my dad or my mum." If they still have them, and so that they'll, they'll look upon them as some kind of obsolete artifact. It just feeds them and gives them money. That's what Bertrand Russell basically said. You know, add a little bit, a bit, but that's basically what he said. The only function for the parent eventually will be to to feed and clothe the child and look after his needs, basically. And the state will give them the indoctrination or the, the education and their values for the new system. Well, here you are. This is how it's done. It's not meant to... to you, if you, basic mathematics, there's no reason they can... do. Well, Here's long division. Here's a different way of doing it. Why? Huh? It's so the parent can say, oh, I can help the child. The child might start to respect the parent. You don't want that bond there. That's why it's done. That's really why it's done, you know? I'm not, I'm not just guessing at this. And the same with so much more, too. Uh, they, they, they started get, to get rid of the older teachers back in about the, the 70s and 80s, they really sped up, and then the 90s, woof. And, and so you got more and more young ones, more and more and more and more young ones. And they wanted primarily women. Because they know with their psychology and their behaviorism and all their, all their studying of the little people, all their little characters, which is us, that youngster, y- young children have a, a greater bond with their mum, you see, for years, but as opposed to the daddy. And so they got younger women in too, younger teachers in. And then and came the toolkits to indoctrinate. They call them for groupthink. You want them, well, every child in a group in the classroom, the common groups now, uh, every child to come out with the same opinion on every topic, you see, the authorised opinion, and the teacher, if, if, if the teacher is good, can actually go along through the toolkit, oh, he's a little stubborn boy over here, how do I get that stubborn boy to go and, to agree with this particular topic and what we want, we, we, we've decided, like democratically decided, we we'll your hands up and say, are you on or, or, or with it or without it or against it or whatever, and 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 there you go. And how to even ostracize them from the group, feel, make them feel insecure or, or kind of bad or something, you see, shame them. Which again comes, comes right into adult life because once you're, you've, you've, you've been taught to be shamed, you see, like a dunce, these dunces in old days, and the group goes, aha, and points at you like you're a fool, uh, then that, that'll stay with you all through your adult life. And they know that because you're supposed to be shamed now for their entire adult life. You see, you see it getting done now. Shaming, shaming, all kinds of shaming, you know. Yeah. Psychology, eh? Psychology, psychiatry, behaviorism, all these things working together. And and they prepare the children who don't have a chance, they have no chance at all to be an individual who can think critically for themselves anymore. Everything's gonna be emotive. Attach an emotion to everything you see—either right, wrong, or shame, or or or, or anger, whatever it happens to be. Make sure you attach it. And then you've got a, you've got a slave for life. You'll never know they're a slave. And then when you call them out to, to be to radicalise about this that and the way, they'll go just like cannon fodder They haven't got a clue. Haven't got a clue. That's managed that way. But it isn't it odd? Isn't it odd that here we are, after months of being locked down with with pretty well, a a pretty mild virus, pretty well, eh? which was hyped out of all proportion, like, like a horror movie. You lived through a horror movie, only it was daily and it was called News. And all the, ha- the newscasters and all the news organizations were on board with it immediately. Once the button was pushed, you know, just before, before March, just about beginning of March, when they really pushed it, hype, hype, terror, terror, terror. And we had to build up to it beforehand. We showed you all the China stuff. My God, they're spraying the whole air atmosphere with this stuff. And this spray across the hundreds of feet high, eh? Well, if it's hundreds of feet high, it'd kill it off. Why? you know, what was all this six feet apart? So I had nothing to do with anything, actually, except training you into stupidity, and into, into non-social patterns of behavior. So the preparation went on, and then suddenly, and in and the same media, they were lambasting people at the beginning, saying, have you seen what's happening in China? How come you're not talking about it? You know, have, have you seen what's happening there? And... Of course, uh, it, it was when a switch was turned in one day, and they all went into action on the same day. Every news outlet, every every TV show and so on, apparently, I don't have TV, but I get on the little clips through internet, and, and the links are sent to me and so on. As I've said before, the, the media was in the doldrums for years, because inter- internet pretty well put them out of a business, a lot of them. And then it turned from basic news to to, to paid subscriptions, right? And, and even then, uh, it was they were taking the same information off the net like everybody else. The day of the of the roving reporter was pretty well gone, and they laid off their staff. Uh, I, I don't think the staff really, reporters now were taught really um, proper journalistic procedures and techniques and so on. And everybody was compromised, you see. Here's your, your right-wing papers, and, and here's your left-wing news outlet, you know, and that, this is how it's done. As a child, I used to know, how, how come you've got, always a, every country has got a star, you know, which is the left, and that's your, that's your five-pointed star, the same red star, of course, they had in the Soviet Union on their caps and uniforms, you see. Uh, but on in, in the light side, you're in the light side, you, you had sun, it was always the sun. And, and you had Mercury and things like that, and, and couriers. and uh, Everything was so black and white, wasn't it? And folk never really quite got it. Uh, but people would, would go into automatically, and, and that would be their newspaper for life, whatever party they belonged to. Uh, and, and and even the left-wing paper, and people couldn't figure it out, except, that, well, they did, actually, my, my, my grandpa's age, had an, they pretty well knew that the big moguls and media never trusted them because they were the richest characters really in the country, a lot of them. You had British lords that owned slews of newspapers, like like you know, and uh, monopolies, basically, of hundreds of papers across the world. And it, true enough, even Quigley talked about the same thing, Carl Quigley, that that these media barns would get together when it came to world war time and have their meetings and decide how to terrify the public. That He actually put that in his book, eh? How to terrify the public, get them to really hate whoever enemies is going to be before the enemies even fired a shot. So uh, that's what they do. It hasn't changed. But when it went into like overdrive suddenly, but, oh my God, the coronavirus, eh? And lockdown and, oh, this is horrible. They're all going to die, they said. Eh? And the only hope, Fauci said at the very beginning, eh, on behalf of himself and the WHO and the pharma companies and vaccine companies, well, there's no hope here at all except for a vaccine. You might have to be locked down until we get a vaccine. There was no talk or no, no whiff of ever getting natural immunity as we've always got against every other virus that's ever existed. You know? No, no trace of that. First, uh, first in history. No trace of, of your own immune system. And even even when the people had tested positive for having had it, right, they had antibodies in their bloodstream. Even for those, oh, well, they might not last very long. Well, if that wouldn't last very long, their own antibodies, why would your vaccination, which is supposed to create stimulate your body create antibodies, why would that? make better of your own antibodies than your own antibodies, <laughs> wouldn't they? It's meant to stimulate your body to create antibodies, right? So if you've already done it, what's wrong with that? It, it, nothing makes sense. When nothing makes sense. There's a big con going on in this world of conology. And getting back to the World Economic Forum, where all the big moguls and big pharma come, everybody who's anybody running us all, in public-private enterprises, because every big corporation on the planet has got its hands out to every country they're involved with for handouts, massive gifts from the taxpayer. That's 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 what it's all about. And um, and so they said, yeah, the, pub, the people are not listening to it. Just, we'll have to scare them pretty well, eh? How can we force them to be post-industrial, post-consumerism, post-free trade, post not just free trade, but post-service economy? Back in the 90s, I talked about the service economy. It was discussed widely in Britain uh, under the guise of the common market, which became the economic union of Europe. eh? It's just a a little meeting place where people will meet and, and discuss little trade Differences and things. That's what they, they, they tried to sell the public on in Britain for years until the word free trade came in, you see. Free trade. And in with the free trade came the gradual abolition of taxes for imports. Now, all countries used to, in fa- <laughs> even the States, I think, used to get pretty well all of its taxes. Main taxes for the for the federal government for the country, from imports, and as import duties, you called it. Uh, most countries survived that way. Well, with the gradual introduction of free trade, as it might call it, you see, it's free for the big corporations who do the exporting into other countries. But guess what happens when you're not getting money from import duties, from taxes, from imports? You've got to make up the money from. The taxpayer, the usual slob at the bottom And that's exactly what's been happening ever since That's the beauty of free trade At least the big corporations pay nothing, you see As they flog their goods across the planet Although they, they, they actually moved it all to China To be the manufacturer of the planet pretty well and then they can export it to all of you without you paying, anybody paying import duty. That's what the whole fracas is about right now. China's starting to put more, um, limit, put, to slap more taxes on imports into China. But it's called a service economy. Oh, whatever, a service economy. Because not only would we start to eliminate all import duties, you'll have to start to accept so much, so many products. So all the members, different members will put quotas on things, and if you if you make so much, if your farmers continue making butter and milk, we're going to have to dump a lot of it because we've got, to, we've, got to, we've agreed to buy a lot from from Europe and France especially, and it put staggering amounts of of intergenerational families of farmers out of business by these darn bureaucrats. Honestly, you know? I mentioned Heartland, a great movie before with Anthony Hopkins and it's well worth watching based on the fact, not just with one family but many of them. And once, into, once you've got bureaucrats running things, a nightmare, nightmare time. Hmm. However, uh, uh, that's what they did, Oh, you're a service economy, you've got to accept stuff. So the, before you know it, almost all your goods are made by outside companies and uh, countries and they're bringing it into your country tax-free. You're getting taxed more and more to pay to make up for the fact that there's no import duties coming in to the countries anymore. And you're in a service account, you buy the stuff in, you pass it around from from the importers to the, to, to the middlemen, uh, different layers of them down to the store owner, and that's your business, is just passing products made outside your country around. And the the the, deba- the debates they had this in Britain years before you heard of, of 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 the service economy in the West, the rest of the countries in the West, and the top economists at the time, even in the 1970s, were saying, you know, the, if you go into this system of service economy, uh, eventually you, you'll accumulate so much and overwhelming debt, you'll go under, because the country's losing layer upon layer upon layer of taxation, from because from, you're not making stuff from scratch anymore, from raw ore, for instance, for steel mills, and into to the steel itself, and the billets that are then sold off in the factories that make things from the billets, and metal like so. These are all levels of taxation that the government would use. Well, again, the government loses out there, so guess who has taxed all, all the darn more? Well, the slob again at the bottom. But even so, eventually, you stagnate, you, 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 because eventually you have so much stuff coming in from abroad, uh, and you, you, that you're not making money anymore in any kind of manufacturing, uh, and you have a glut of 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 material. Especially when you, t- you take it off into places like China, it's such cheap labor, which the big bo- the same people brought you free trade based on their on uh, their corporations. They moved them all there. And, and you have the in the service economy, I, I likened to a dog, a dog that falls into a swimming pool and it paddles for as long as it can. that's a service economy until it's exhausted and eventually it drowns. It can't get out. Yeah. That's what it is. And that's what's happening now, of course. That's exactly what's happening now. So you, you, bingo, the, the the WEF with all the top corporations there. There's nobody, this anybody doesn't go to it, you see, and we're nobody, so we can't go to it. It affects all of us, and the big corporations that shape our lives, you see, literally shape our lives. They all attend. They're all on board. They were on board like twenty years ago, at the WEF for this whole agenda that we're now we're into now. This part of it. What are we going to do? The people won't stop. Yeah, you know, they're not, they're not bringing down their, their numbers. It's amazing how the WEF, you would think it's all business, but no, every corporation there is into sustainability programs of the United Nations. Every one of them. They're all into the destruction of any kind of family unit. They're all for all kinds of new f- fad families, even though they won't last a as matter. They don't want a functioning families. They really don't. And that's the hardest thing to get your mind around. Why would the, the richest people on the planet and the representatives of the richest people on the planet, that's more like it actually, why would they all be on board with sustain, sustainability for the planet? And depopulation, uh, austerity for a post consumerist society where you just gonna have basic. Well, the thing is, and I, I wondered about it too. I says, well, you know, when they sold off the electric um, utilities, every country had their own infrastructure. This was essential infrastructure. You must have your own energy supplies, whereas it's gas, electric, or whatever gasoline, you know, petrol in, in, in Europe, diesel, etc. You must have basic infrastructure and your hospital. These are all part of infrastructure, especially in Europe, but the hospitals too. Essential things that for a country to sustain itself through any, any possible catastrophe or a war even, I mean, Britain was starving from World War One right through the Great Depression into World War Two, and through it and, and after it, <laughs> for a while they learned. They certainly learned from World War One, and but they did the same thing in World War Two. Uh, they didn't have enough uh, food produce on for rationing. Hmm? They were so dependent on imported stuff. Well, that's free trade again, and and Britain remembers the home of free trade. Well, in London is the city of London, where it was all designed. By the makers and shapers of the world The Lord Alfred Milner Group And So the whole idea of having your own infrastructure Is essential for a functioning sovereign nation To survive and look after as people And bit by bit you watch it getting sold off right? Especially since the free trade idea with Europe too uh, later, Eventually it became Let's sell off the water supply To, to foreign companies They've got nothing in common with you. you. Who are you going to complain to when there's not enough water or you can't afford it? Your government will say, well, we don't run that anymore. That's There's for private businesses and you know, we, we've got nothing to do with them. Right? Or electric, electricity, for instance. Or even gas. You, you've had ongoing wars for quite a few years now against Russia and, and the, East, the, old East, the old Soviet bloc countries. They were going to pipe uh, gas all through Europe, plenty of gas, and, and right all the way even under the, the, the water and pipelines to to Britain, and of course you had all you had big battles between between the elite who rule Britain. A lot of them don't live in Britain, but they rule it anyway. And And, and I guess the elite took the basically from Russia, big battles over pipelines. The Middle East is the same thing before they, they, they invaded <laughs> and we invaded Iraq and so on. They had the maps out there they came out eventually, the maps printed up in the u s of oil pipelines that were going to go through all the different countries and where they were going to go and who would own them. The Ukraine is still going on But why didn't the US is in Ukraine with the the scandals going on there with US um, politicians and uh, <coughs> diplomats filling their pockets with with all kinds of goodies and so on and, and gas gas pipelines and so on. This, these things go on all the time. We're kind of oblivious in our little worlds because you're kept in an oblivious little world of, of make believe and fantasy and stacks of awful entertainment. Generally, it's awful. It's getting worse all the time. You're not supposed to think any deeper. And in fact, you've been trained that it's none of your business what, the, what your betters, at least they used to call it your betters, are actually doing above you. What, what are you interested in that for? It's none of your business. Leave it to people who know what they're doing, you see? And. That's what you're trained to do, really. In fact, even, even the, you know it works. This indoctrination really works when your own peer group, maybe members of your own family say, oh, what do you care about that for? You know, you know. And you say, well, I think it's important, isn't it? It affects us all. You say, oh, don't fill your head with that kind of... And that's how, that shows you they're gone. Their indoctrination and training the tra- the conquering of their mind because it's a trained mind is exactly how it was designed to be by the the elite. They had the the right kind of so called education, you see, indoctrination, and uh, and and it's been reinforced all through their lives through bits and bits and bites. I call it from the media. That's how they get little bits and bites of information. Uh, I think Jack's. Elal mentioned that the people, most folk learn from then on, once they're into adulthood, it's just updating them, and it's done by osmosis. It's not that they think deeply about it, and it's not their fault, by the way. Yeah? It's not that they think deeply about the topics. They don't see why they should think any deep any further than what they're told to believe by the media. Like Brzezinski said, same thing, yeah? And I used to wonder, as a a child, the TV, after any debate about anything or any speech by a politician, you would always have two opposing sides of of people who would specialize in politics. And they would give you their interpretation of what they just heard. And they'd sort of debate it. And and you'd say, well, I never heard anyone in them say that. It didn't matter, because what what it was designed to do, with the collusion of the two experts, by the way, It took years and years before anybody admitted to any of this kind of stuff. But the whole idea was to shape your opinion as a listener. And say, oh, that's reasonable. And then they would bring you to the conclusion they wanted you to have, you see. You never had better examples when it did come to the idea of the European Union and and so-called free trade and all that kind of stuff. And when folks still didn't, still voted. They they, they said, we're going to keep bringing it back to the table every six months until you vote correctly. You see so much for your democracy, so the elite have had their way for an awful long time, and the education system they make sure you're given the right indoctrination. Bill Gates said that the man has his fingers in so many pies it's just a, he just loves us all so much, you know he doesn't want us to be to be too many of us like his daddy, you know the same thing he's, he's very concerned about that. But he also wants you to be healthy for if you manage to survive, you know, and live. He wants you to be healthy. But he, he'd rather he didn't, you weren't able to breed. I mean, he, he'd like that, you know. It's, what's wrong with that idea? I mean, H.G. Wells said it. Uh, he worked for the same organization, Wells, long before him. And Wells said it. Uh, he, he says, we used to think that you know, we'd have to really kill them off. All oh, these talking about the useless people at the bottom, that the defunct, obsolete type. That's what HG was in a modern utopia. But he goes through this fictional travel by train and so on to different different places in this advanced system. And 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 Wells um, said so we used to think we'd have to kill them all, and, but we we, we decided to be more humane and just sterilize them, so that that generation would just die off. And of course they wouldn't reproduce. That's what he said. And again, folk have a hard time disliking H.G. Wells. Wait, he wrote such wonderful stories, you know. He did. And uh, entertained us. So we, we forgive awful things being being planned for us because we like to be entertained at the same time. mean, right? Is that logical? well, See folk haven't been taught critical thinking how to, how to really analyze problems before they're even problems. If, if you really could, you may prevent a lot of the problems. but you're not taught that in logic as well. You're not taught that at all. There's simple there's so many instances you're given of logic being abused. And they give you analogies and so on. But you had, you know, Rome, get burning. While Nero fiddled, you know. And in a way, it's like saying the same thing. It can all go to hell if you're being entertained well along the way, like H.G. Wells, you know. Mm-mm-mm. We're given happy happy songs at times. It's not all sad. Um, or non- nonsensical ones, mind you, but doesn't matter, you know. And and they're the, the catchy little ditties, catchy ones. That that movie it was called Oh What a Lovely War, it was a musical type, and movie, as a satirical display of how it's all used against ordinary people, even for warfare. But in the movie, they go through. The wonderful little war songs are churned out like like by a machine almost. You know, just like you had in, in nineteen eighty four, where songs and pornography were just churned out by machines. And now, of course, we have computers that automatically churn them out, but but that's coincidence. But the in over lovely war, they show you the the basic simplest techniques of how you recruit young guys in any country, doesn't matter what country it is. You have the same little basic instincts to to, to protect your nation and, and your people and all that. And you join up. And you're all going to be home before Christmas, you know that. Eh? And um, and they've catchy little songs. But whiz-bangs, the types of of um, shells that would get fired above you and over you and towards you and on you. That's songs for everything, you see. Including being in the trenches and covered in mud. And, and happy little things like that, you know. So, because the last thing you want is for folk to say, "But goodness sake, do you see what's happening at the front there? Our our Tommy's been been in the trenches for three years, and his feet are rotten off with trench foot. And he's living with all these bits and pieces of corpses from from previous battles that get buried in the mud and stuff. He didn't want you thinking about that. They want you thinking about, does your chewing gum lose its flavour on the bedpost overnight? And things like things like that. Silly little ditties, you see. And they churn them out like crazy. Yeah, yeah they do. That that type of song, I don't know if the actual but that type of song, silly little things, you see. And and it works awfully well, really. Because young guys are young guys. That no no young guy joins up to die. It's impossible he's going to die. He he's at his prime of his life, he just he can he can jump walls for goodness sake and be he's happy and and all that kind of thing. you know. He's not even going to get old. Even if he lives 60 years, he's not going to be... It just doesn't happen to folk like him. It doesn't happen. Yeah. And so they join up in every country and they go off. And the basic propaganda, that's so the first rule, is they must be given the most simplest propaganda. It's a rule. Everything that happens in life There has been studied and they have rules for all. It should be simple propaganda. If you could just use those guys here are bad, that would be good enough. So you don't go too far beyond that. Because if you go into any complexities, they might start to analyze it and say, for goodness sake, and and, and try to pick it apart. So you don't want that. Make it simple and ridiculous at times, just simple. Hmm? And, And that's good enough. And they go off, and uh, they do whatever they're told to do. Because w- wars are awfully good at culling the population, you see. And for those who are in charge of the culling of the population, you get the wars going, uh, it's awfully profitable too. You understand we're a the people, and I really do <laughs> like the writings of, of characters in the past that touch on it, no matter if they're a bit um, off the wall at times, or, or, or again, too, is a lot more satirical. But um, Charles Fort said that we're farmed, he says. I think we're farmed. And we are farmed, like any animal. Which means, if, we, if you're farmed, there's farmers. Hmm? And what do farmers do? Well, they they keep charging. They're in charge of the stock. That's you. You're part of the stock. They know everything about you. They they know your ma and your paws. They don't. They know how, how, what your feelings would be. Or oh, your ma, your paws, prone to this and that, and the whole thing. And so is your grandpa, and grandma. Yeah, that's how they work it out. You see, that's what you do with with husbandry, animal husbandry. And every the farmer's generally would know the exact, you know, the exact is going way, way back, and their generations of their cattle and their sheep and all the rest of it. Just like beekeepers, beekeepers are famous for that they, they go right into eugenics, big time And that's why the beehive is the first thing that was built for the Royal Society This big elite club that decides what reality is for all the rest of us They built a beehive, a glass one, to watch the, the perfect, the perfect society eh? With the monarch there running all at the top And then the worker bee types, the, the, the bottom but in between that, you got the drones that were kind of our priesthood that literally selected uh, what you were going to be, but by, by what they fed you, and they thought that was wonderful. And it wasn't a novel idea; it goes all the way back, even ancient Egypt. They had the same thoughts then. What what makes these peasants here on this this part of the Nile um, a bit taller than the other peasants up the Nile a bit a bit further on? You see, and things like that. Studying, always studying your what you own, and, and that includes the people. So we we're, we're, when the, the, you you take Prince Philip, Prince Philip is a very honest about eugenics, and, and his talks at the at the different uh, Sierra Club meetings he has, and world different world meetings with the, the different um, groups that, that he's a kind of chairman of, or he's probably retired now and handed it over to, to Charles, the Charlie Boy. Or one of the other ones. He's quite open about it. He says, "Well, you know, says, uh, sometimes when uh, we, we have a problem, we have a problem when when you bring when you see too many deer growing up on the estate, you know, and, and they start chewing the bark from the trees and destroying the trees, and, uh, and we, have to, we have to do something about it." You know. And sure enough, they go off in mass shoots and things. Or you can introduce in other countries, wolves, of course. They've done that in the States, in Yellowstone Park at one point. And uh, the problem is the wolves multiplied by killing all the deer off and everything else. And they killed everything else off. I mean, wolves will kill fox and and every other competing animal uh, and eat them as well. But, uh, but no, the, the, the eugenics have no problems talking about that. Uh, well, yes, yeah, you, you'll find, you'll find the even, even the grass, the grass, you see, the grass changes too. And, and, and some day they'll come in and we particular types of grass and, and right down to the dirt, you see. And, and, and they say, you know, you've, you've got a plague of, of insects growing them, And so they go through this whole scenario of of this this domino effect, you see. And, but what he was referring to along the way was when, well, when there's too many people it's the same problems, well, uh, And so these are the characters that send you off to war huh, and make sure that they profit because they're farmers. You've got to profit off the animals. You think, you think they're all, we're all in it together? Really? Really? Huh? Do you really think that? No, they're not in it. They cause it and they run it all but they make sure they profit from you. Big time, and these wars are very, very profitable. For for every bit of cloth, for every uh, it's going to, it's, it's going to encase whatever animal it is human animal that gets killed. I mean, uh, that means a new recruit has to come up with get, get new equipment, new cloth, and all the rest of it. New new belt buckles and and gear and kit and you name it. That that's very profitable. Awfully profitable. And there's no questions asked in war. Everybody, what got is suffer and ration and accept it, or we're all going to get killed. Well, in the process, a lot are getting killed anyway. You see, but that doesn't matter. Terror is the greatest thing to, to get folk to give up all the rights and freedoms. Hitler said it too, When he got it. He saw the same thing because he he studied the communists that had taken over the Bolsheviks in Russia. You know, the terror, reign of terror. You see. And the people can't think straight, it paralyzes them. It does. It paralyzes them. He said that. They can't think straight when they're terrorized. And that's always been known by, Napoleon knew it too, mind you. But that, that's the kind of thing that, uh, that's, a, that's a sort of technique that's used upon us. So, so terror is a great thing. You're all going to die, right? It gets you along. You're all going to die of something you can't even see. Oh my God. Oh my God. God, eh? And uh, they go along with that too, and, and away it goes, eh? It works every time. And, and you're trained, why would you suspect of being conned? Do you realize you, you, you're trained to be an naive for your entire life? Hopefully, that's what they want. Because it's horrific to think what, what, what they're doing. It's something nefarious and nasty against you. Aren't they? That aren't they their own people? Right? are they? And so you believe it, and, and you're, you're all being taught to respect the people. It's like being in the military. You get you get a whole series of command from NCOs all the way up. You see, private NCOs all the way up, and and then you get all the ribbons and things, and and, and you get. They used to call it scrambled egg on your on your skip, your cap, and things like that. And uh, and so you were taught constantly to respect people with more spaghetti, or or scrambled egg on the skip of their, their cap, and and the beautiful the gold lanyards and stuff like that. It was really amazing how you're you're trained, you see. But today they give you all these people with, with professors with a whole string of letters behind them. Uh, they could even have be be to do with back scratching, or something. you know it doesn't matter as as long as I've got all the letters there. And they're as long as they're introduced with the proper importance. You see? And you'll sit back and go, Oh my God, this person says we're we're all going to die unless we just give up all our rights immediately. Mm mm mm. Back in the nineties, I gave a talk about the high priests that others have copied since, <laughs> recently too, and and that from the ancient days. And India was famous too, and across the Middle East. Well, you don't think it? India was famous too. You see the old, the old um, observatories they have that built there for starting the stars, just like Latin America. Uh, some parts there much later on, but India was way ahead of them. And of course, you, you find the standing stones in Britain and the Shetlands as well, and up north of Scotland. Um, they're all over the place uh, to, to measure and, and basically uh, guide the, or watch the stars. You know, and give them their seasons and their time and everything else. But again, good priests, good priests could could, and the they've used it in different movies, like fictional movies. Good priests could would also know when eclipses would happen, and they'd warn the people. And say, so, you know, if you don't cough up more of your jewelry here, uh, and maybe a few of your daughters extra this this month, uh, the sun's going to, on, on this day, uh, the sun's just going to go black. And only we can stop it. And so they, th- they throw the, they, they, get, they get all the, the, the treasury thrown at them, you know, the folks' treasures and stuff. And uh, and sure enough, along with come the eclipse, and the priest would stand up in his fine robes and stuff and, and do mumbo-jumbo. To, to dispel it And it would say Appear appear," And sure enough The light would come on eh? The light would come back on And that was awfully important And really impressed the punters It was a good show It was a great show yep. And that's how they used to do it Knowledge is power remember that's, They really mean that Knowledge is definitely power Of course it is